0: Welcome in at CFP Winning Edge the podcast edition. I'm your host Scott Bogman. You can follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports, and I'm joined as always by my friend friendos, the owner and proprietor of CFP Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. You can follow him on the Twitter at CFP Winning Edge, and Xavier Trish. Follow him on the Twitter at Xavier underscore Trish T R I C H E. Nick, how was the weekend? How's everything going? Uh, you got your flamingo shirt and your short shorts on, so it is uh, middle of the summer for you.
1: That's right. It, it is <laughs> almost ninety degrees in uh, New England, so summer is here. It felt a little like summer over the weekend. Went out uh, to the lake for uh, a few hours. Got on the uh, stand-up uh, paddle boards, which uh, i this summer. Yeah, our wife and I went and spent a little time uh, outdoors, which was new and different for the last couple of months. We're gonna try not to, you know, go too crazy, but in our little neck of the woods uh numbers are are going down a little bit so uh excited to spend you know a, a little bit of time outside but try not to go too crazy too soon
0: well i know the numbers in georgia aren't going down but at nope. least they are not arizona numbers I- i'll tell you that uh how how was your weekends up Are you out uh, clubbing and all that stuff
2: <laughs> no staying <laughs> very very far away from that uh just you know, spend Smart. the weekend with dad. Father's Day weekend, so nice. spend time with him. Yeah, it was a good weekend.
0: That's good. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I just worked the whole weekend. I've had this like, and Nick knows because I had to have him help me on the CFF pod this week. I um, you know, I have stuff to do Monday through Friday every single day every week. But my partner in crime over at ITL is taking uh, you know, Friday uh, Thursday off for a work event, and then Friday off. I think his wife's uh, birthday is this weekend, and his daughter has uh, a, a birthday coming up as well. So we had to cram all of our stuff into, you know, just a couple days. So I have been nonstop recording stuff. So it's been very hectic. But this, like, hitting this, like, getting the CFP winning edge, and then on campus, I record immediately after this. I'm I'm in the clear. So, um, it's all coasting here. It's all easy stuff. And of course, today we're going to be doing conference previews of the SEC and the Sun Belt, the Fun Belt and the SEC Xavier's favorite
1: conferences. Yes. So, no sarcasm this time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think uh, I mean, next week when we do the Big 10 and the MAC, uh, I think we'll be even more excited, right? Uh, lots of yeah. uh, exciting stuff there. Yeah. So. Uh, we already had we already have one MAC and Tuesday canceled, by the way. Uh. Um for uh but it is for a good reason because yeah, the really. election uh you know uh, but uh I mean, we're gonna dive head first, and we got a couple news and notes, but really, the thing over the weekend and and Nick and I talked a little bit about this on uh the in this league college fantasy football podcast it's just there's a growing negativity about the possibility of a college football season this uh this year because you know you read thirty guys pop you know positive at texas and 30 guys at lsu and every school is having uh tests uh positive tests right now because they finally started testing the players so it's not i wouldn't call it surprising nick but it is jarring to see that amount of of people and it's putting uh it's putting doubt in people's minds
1: yeah, it's it's uh, it feels weird because, I mean, obviously, you know, I was just saying how I went outside this weekend for the first time in what feels like a long time and, and, you know, starting to feel a little positive about that. I'm probably more excited about today's show than any we've done in months because, you know, we're actually previewing the 2020 season. But then, you know, you kind of have to sit back and, and think that uh, not all the news has been positive lately, you know, especially on optimism for the season to start on time to look somewhat normal. And, and I think we all agree that, that we're probably going to see, uh, you know, the 2020 college football season is going to look different than most of the the seasons that we've seen in the last several decades. But uh, you know, seeing these numbers does give you a pause a little bit. And it's, uh, you know, hopefully things will work out. Everybody's got a plan in place and, and we'll be able to sort of get things moving in the right direction. Hopefully this is just, a, you know, a bit of a hiccup here at the start before we sort of get things in line. But it does make me a little bit nervous. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and seeing numbers, like we were just saying, sort of going up in, in a lot of, uh, specifically college football heavy places in, in the South and in the West and uh, across the Midwest. I mean, a lot of, a lot of places certainly have, uh, affected. So hopefully we can get it turned around, move in the right direction and, and uh, you know, before this thing gets uh, too close to uh, college football season and, and you know, maybe push it back or, or force, unfortunately, you know, maybe some cancellations. So uh,
0: And, and who knows at this point, it could be just certain schools. It could be just certain regions, conferences, you know, the the difficulty with college football is there's not one overarching body outside of the NCAA. And, you know, they they pass the (laughs) buck Uh on down to universities and ADs and conference, you know, directors and all that stuff. But Xavier, uh, I know you've seen this creeping sense of doubt and, uh, all that stuff on Twitter. What are your thoughts on uh, the college football season? Are you uh, are you waning on the possibility of it happening?
2: Uh, I'm a glass glass half full kind of guy, uh, and I'm kind of I'm. It's better that we find out these cases now, um, right. and that we kind of can deal with them when the season's a little bit farther off. As Nick said, if these numbers started popping up in August. You know, late July, I think that would cause me much more concern as a fan and obviously as a guy who reports on college football. Um, so I'm trying to look at it from that point of view and that perspective, you know, that we can catch these early enough that we can get these guys into a negative and be able to start this season on time. That's the hope. I'm not completely crazy to think that, but um, I, I am mean, I am hopeful that the medical staffs at the universities would do their due diligence starting now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the, the nice thing about this is now that uh, baseball is officially going to go and uh, basketball is going to go, we they can kind of set the pace and uh, you know, we can see how some of these things work. And we've been able to see it in Korea and Japan just started with their baseball league as well. So there have been some precedents already set. You know, the PGA is back. Obviously, this is not as in-depth as far as the locker rooms going and You know, uh, they are team sports, but there's not they're not real contact sports. So um, we'll see uh, moving forward with this. But, you know, I I feel like last week there was a growing sentiment to where there was just not going to be a baseball season. And now there is so you know it's crazy this it year how things quickly. change on a dime absolutely yeah. In 24
2: so 24 hours
0: right right exactly <laughs> so uh look a couple other uh pieces of news before we get to previews here uh kylan hill the star running back from mississippi state said either change the flag or i won't be representing the state and i mean that so it's going to be difficult for them to pass through the mississippi state legislature uh and governor on board but uh, and get the governor on board, but, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about this. So hopefully we get some change there or, or at least, you know, uh, an acceptable answer in Kylan Hill's eye, so we can watch him play. Ole Miss added a pair of transfers on defense, former Navy star Jack Sp- Jake Springer, um, who could start at safety for whatever Miss- uh, Ole Miss is going to call themselves by the start of the season. Because <laughs> I doubt it's going to be the Rebels uh, yeah. by the time we get there. And then a uh, six foot eight defensive end, Tavius Robinson, who is whose Canadian college football team was forced to cancel its season. He is also transferring in. Uh, Missouri added 6'4 grad transfer, Kiki Chisholm from D2 uh, from D2 Angelo State. Another 6'4 wide receiver from Wake Forest. Uh Waydale Jones will transfer to Texas State. He could receive a waiver uh, and he has two years of eligibility left. Uh, Texas defensive back Anthony Cook, a potential starter, uh, entered the transfer portal. His departure was unexpected, and he deleted a tweet uh, saying that he would never again play for the Longhorns, and then he put out another tweet about respecting his privacy. It was strange. Uh, I I know I I read a little bit. I didn't read too much on it, but I read a little bit on it. Uh, Just a lot of guys, you know, uh, opting out of their university right now, and Mm -hmm. um I get it. You know, the, the, the whole world is moving and shaking. So it's no surprise that college football is in there as well. Uh, West Virginia, uh, placed defensive coordinator, Vic, uh, on, uh, administrative leave following allegations of mistreatment by safety. Kerry Martin, uh, Kenig it is the second P five defensive coordinator. Utah's, uh, Morgan Scaly was the other one, uh, currently under investigation by the university. So, uh, more upheavals in coaching staff. So we've seen that all across the country. Uh, less than I thought. I thought there was going to be way more, but still, you know, uh, ugly scene in some schools. And then earlier Wednesday, Miami offensive lineman Novin Donaldson announced he would redshirt uh, to focus on me. Uh, he had started 34 games and is one of the highest rated offensive linemen in FBS by VGR+ uh, with a very high upper nineties rating and Miami's O line was already a weak spot. that ranked 125th in offensive lineman performance last season, but returned all five starters and added a likely starter, uh, through the grad transfer. Um, but, but he is gone now. So lots of little things building up here, Nick. So where, uh, what would you like to comment on out of all of these things?
1: Yeah. And I'm sure that, uh, well, some of these are, are related to the SEC, so they'll, they'll come up as we uh, talk about the, the conferences a little bit more in depth. I mean, I think obviously Kylan Hill, uh, his statement is the most impactful as far as, I mean, certainly on the field, but, but you know, real world uh, issues as well. And, and you and I talked about it a little bit on the CFF show yesterday that uh, this is something that, you know, certainly we, or, you know, I respect his uh, position, and, and if he were to choose to uh, sit out, I think that's certainly um, understandable if he's, you know, able to use his platform in the state as a Mississippi native and, and as one of the star players uh, for, you know, one of the, the top two really brands in, in that state as far as sports go, Miss, you know, Ole Miss and, and Mississippi State. So uh, it's it's something that's uh, obviously a, a lot of talk in that state and, and you know, elsewhere across the country as well, but Mississippi being in a bit of a, you know, specifically unique situation because of uh, their state flag. So uh, hopefully we see some some positive movement. I've seen, you know, today, earlier today, I saw a, a long list of names and signatures, a lot of important uh, business people, businesses that are uh, you know, from the, the state of Mississippi who have signed on to uh, call for the state flag to be changed and things like that. There's there's certainly some negative impact between the NCAA, uh, you know, pool, say that championship events are not going to be able to be uh, held in Mississippi moving forward. And, and so, you know, it seems like momentum is certainly building and, and kudos to Kylan Hill for using his platform to, uh, you know, hopefully bring about some change. And, and it certainly would be sad to not see him or, or any of his teammates or others uh, around the country who would, you know, potentially sit out for making a similar stand, but but I definitely respect it. Uh, a lot of the transfers, I mean, we'll, we'll certainly talk about. Uh, the, the West Virginia situation, big coning, uh, that, that one's, you know, uh, that was really kind of wild. I mean, similar to some things that we've heard at Oklahoma State, at Utah, you know, the, just a a little bit different, but you know, some, some uh, comments that were reported that he had made that uh, made some players feel particularly uncomfortable. Uh, He's now under investigation, you know, on the field, it it would be a a pretty big loss. He's, uh, you know, a fringe top 40 defensive coordinator, had a lot of success at Troy under Neil Brown and, and showed some good signs last year at West Virginia as well. So hopefully they can, uh, you know, get that figured out, hold them accountable for, uh, you know, anything that, that is certainly inappropriate, but, um, you know, for, for on the field, a uh, pretty big deal. And, and I think probably the biggest deal on the field is, is this late news about Donaldson at, at Miami. Miami actually, despite their horrific rating and our offensive line performance uh, metric last year, they actually entered this season ranked 14th in the country and first in the ACC as far as their talent rating and, and on the offensive line, moving Donaldson completely off of our depth charts, uh, that dropped Miami to 41st in offensive line uh, talent ratings, eighth now in the ACC, and it actually dropped Miami. Uh, they're, they're no longer favored against Virginia Tech because of this. They dropped a couple of spots in our uh, team strength power rating. So big, big loss. Eric mean, King better limber up. I, I was going to say, De'Aaron King is, is probably the only other player uh, who would have had as big an impact yeah. uh, as far as our ratings go. So, you know, if you're going to lose one of your two most impactful players, uh, that that's not great. Certainly in a position of, of need and, and of, uh, you know, pretty much great concern as, as the offensive line is for Miami.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, you can't, you can't blame the kid for it. You know, if anyone's going to take a year off, uh, at any point in their college career, this would be the year. You know what? I'm just going to stay at home. I'll take my <laughs> online classes. I won't get COVID. Right. You know, um, uh, I won't be exposed to anything crazy like that, especially in Florida where the numbers are skyrocketing right now, uh, just like my state. I mean, you know, I keep wanting to go out and do Postmates, and then I hear 3,589 dead uh, new cases yesterday, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll stay at home. You know, I'll I'll find some. There's something on Netflix I haven't watched somewhere. So uh, I'll go through all of them. But Xavier, your reaction to uh, any of these news or notes?
2: My first reaction was it must be nice to be told because um, every person you named was 6'3 plus. And uh, <laughs> they're just moving everywhere. It must be lovely to be 6'8 and be able to go from Canada immediately uh, on to Ole Miss, or uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know, it just must be nice to be tall. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I mean, two taller
0: than me. So yeah, how, how, how tall are you? It's on
2: here. Five nine and a quarter. And don't take it away. Okay,
0: yeah, you got like a half inch on me. So <laughs> See, I'm in.
2: I'm in that range. We're yeah. we're all in the sub. Yeah, zone, yeah,
0: I we're here. all Jose Altuve <laughs> <right> here. <so. laughs>
2: get your trash cans out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. As soon as I saw that a Miami O-lineman could be possibly leaving, and he was rated as the best one, I just saw caskets in in De'Aaron King's future. Uh, (laughs) You guys know all offseason, all I've talked about is, will they be able to block for him? Now they've got one of the biggest holes in the conference at that position, and it just makes me very terrified for what De'Aaron King will have to do to make plays. It was already going to be tough anyways. For him coming into a new team, but now we thought he was going to have to be a magician. Now he has to be Houdini. So you know, right. I, I just don't like that situation for him at all.
0: One less Mississippi for De'Ara King. That that's for <laughs> sure. You know, uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, what I'm doing now because I have seen everything on Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff that I, I would want to ever watch. I'm going back to Game Pass and just oh, yeah. re-watching 30-minute games, you know, condensed. They're like 30, 40 minutes, however long. And I uh, I was watching – I'm still just past week one, but watching uh, Phillip Rivers last year for the Chargers. and You know, he got the ball, and there was a dude on top of him, just like every single play. And uh, it's just hard to watch that stuff. I'm like, God, I think they're going to be better just for the simple fact they're playing – Tyrod Taylor or Herbert, or if they sign Kaepernick, (laughs) someone that can move, you know, someone that can get out of the way. So um, luckily for Miami, Derek King uh, can uh, manipulate the pocket pretty well. And if he has to take off, he has. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah, depending on if he can get to two Mississippi or not, you know, to get out of there. So um, it's going to be, it looks like a much more difficult season now without, you know, your best offensive lineman. So uh, hopefully, you know, uh, prayers up for Derek King Derek King here. But uh, we're going to move over to uh, the conference previews now here. And uh, Nick, just kind of, you know, uh, lay out what we have on the sheets because, um, you know, this is what people use CFB Winning Edge for, all the advanced numbers. So just give us a preview of what you're going to get with the CFB Winning Edge sheets, please.
1: Absolutely. So if this is your first time listening to us or, or uh, you know, we haven't, obviously this is our first uh, conference preview. So some of these numbers that we're talking about, maybe uh, maybe the first time you've, you've heard them, but when we're ever re- referencing rankings uh, specifically, it's going to come up a lot in the sec because we've got what eight top 25 teams. Anytime we're talking about rankings, as far as our overall, Uh, team rankings, that is uh, based on who would be favored on a neutral field. So it's not a predicted order of finish. It's not who we expect will be, you know, the top four in the college football playoff rankings or top 25 in those rankings or anything like that. The AP top 25, not, not that. It's just who would be favored on a neutral field uh, where, you know, the second team would be an underdog to number one. Uh, The 10th ranked team would be an underdog to number five. Etc. So keep that in mind as, as we're going through. Also, uh, things are obviously a little bit up in the air, as, as we've talked about in right. 2020. But uh, because no FES games at this point have been outright canceled and no major decisions have been made uh, regarding in person attendance or uh, anything like that, all of our projections that we're going to be talking about until we hear otherwise. Uh, we are assuming normal procedure. So we're assuming normal home field advantage, assuming, you know, teams are traveling where they're expected to on the days they're expected to and all that sort of stuff. So when we're talking about, you know, a team that's favored in a particular game or a projected point spread, which is available uh, at CFB Winning Edge in our FBS team profiles, uh, that all of that takes into account. Uh, two and a half points for home field advantage neutral field of course is zero but uh, all the other games that are expected to be played on campus have a two and a half point uh adjustment for home field advantage now we've seen that if fans are are not in the stands and there's some evidence uh in some of the soccer uh you know what we've seen up and running without fans uh in a lot of the european leagues it, it appears, at least in that sport, and, and I expect college football would have similar findings, that home field advantage is greatly reduced, if not just outright negligible, without fans in the stands. So if we hear, you know, hey, college football season is going on as planned, but no fans, we're probably going to drop our home field advantage at the most we would put maybe a point point and a half, right. but, but it's not going to be that two and a half. So keep that in mind also as we're going through And, and it, You know, it's
0: kind it of too. funny to hear that because that it would be like, you know, uh, traveling counts for one point and mm-hmm. then having to sit in a crowd full of noise. is like a point <laughs> and a half, you know what I mean? Just, it's kind of and, funny how you can almost break it into that.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I think, and some studies have been done on this, that, that, the travel portion is actually, as far as college football and, and the NFL, it seems that the travel is actually a little bit more important than, than the crowd itself. And soccer, that no, yeah. doesn't necessarily appear to be the case. Of course, most of these European leagues are shorter distances than, than we'd see in a lot of uh, you know, cross-country NFL games or college football or, or what have you. But uh, it's something to keep in mind. But we will knock it down. We would It would be a guess if we label it you know, one point, point and a half, something like that. But it certainly home field advantage, I, I assume, and I think most of would, would be less impactful uh, without fans. So uh, also all of these for all of our conferences are going to be up on uh, patreon.com slash CFP winning edge by uh, July 1st. Uh, but we're going to go, you know, one P5 and one G5 conference each week from here on out until, until we're done. Uh, and anytime we're talking about projected wins, so in conversation it might come up that Georgia, we project to win 9.93 games. That might sound confusing to anybody that's unfamiliar with this, but the way we get to that number is you give a an expected win percentage for every game based on, uh, that projected point spread. So if a team has a 100% chance to win like Alabama versus an FCS opponent, then that's going to count for one full win. If a team has a 50% chance, that's half a win. 0% is 0.0 wins. And then every other percentage, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's, that's sort of where those numbers come from. As we're going through these, we're going to talk win totals, Uh, Currently, the ones we're going to be referencing are from Vegas Insider that they're posted uh, right now. This is only for the regular season. It does not include conference championship games or bowls. Uh, These win totals also do not include odds. So, for example, when we first saw numbers come up in, in April, Alabama over 10 and a half was listed at minus 200 uh, on DraftKings. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it would take a, a, a you know, $2 much more for to pay every
0: dollar you win, you win back. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. So, so minus is you have to put down $2 for every $1. Mm-hmm. If you got plus 200, that means for every dollar you put down, you're getting $2 back. So that how it works, you know, they break it into there's a lot of minus minus 190s and plus plus mm. 180s and, mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. So it's, you know, every dollar 80. But just in basic math, if you're looking at that minus uh, it is uh, tougher to win money. Um, well, I mean, not tougher. It's it pays cost out for less. Cost yeah. for to
1: win
0: it pays yeah. out. It pays out less. That's why you'll see like in a guarantee, you know, Texas versus Louisiana Tech. Right. You just take uh, a team that's going to be fi- uh, favored by more than uh, probably 20 points. You can bet that straight up, but it'll be like right. minus 500. So every $5 you put down, you are only getting one back. So, yeah, just that it's a big part of betting. So uh, good point to make, Nick, about no odds being listed on these, of course.
1: Right. So if some, at some point, if we say, oh, you know, right, we project this team to win seven and a half games, their win total is five. That might sound like, oh, there's huge value here. But every likelihood is somebody else has, has come across that. The odds maybe uh, have changed. So where that might not be as big of a value bet as it sounds, right. perhaps, or, or provide as much value. So just keep that in mind, again, if you're if you're using these for your own. Uh, personal use, but we're going to talk about some key players, biggest strengths and weaknesses for each team, matchups, uh, the make or break games, some toss-up games, went through and and sort of outlined who is projected to play, uh, you know, how many games within uh, one touchdown or within a field goal, uh, projected point spread, things like that. So there are a lot of teams that are kind of, you know, it it could go one way or the other based, based on how some of these coin flips, how some of these, toss up games go. Uh, and then we'll make our predictions. So pretty much everything I'm going to reference is based on what our numbers say. Uh, and, and those do guide my opinions. I do have, have some opinions, but they're probably, uh, limited, but, uh, Xavier and Scott, you guys, I'm I'm sure will, uh, have a little bit more of a, uh, uh, maybe an opinion based, uh, on on what some of the, you know, particular, uh, when you know expectancies projected, all that good stuff. So anyway, uh, and then we'll probably wrap it up. Maybe have some questions, uh, anything that comes to mind throughout, and then if any teams are likely to over or under uh, achieve what we've uh, put out in our projections, or uh, anything else that that comes to mind, any major disagreements maybe uh, that you guys have with the numbers or, or things like that.
0: Uh yeah, and it looks like we lost Xavier for a second. I think his internet might have uh blipped out, but we'll try to get him back here. So let's just start in the SEC, Nick. And well, first of all, I feel like and we got to get Xavier back for this, of course, but um uh should we add should we each pick if we're going over and under the Vegas insider win total and add that to our player bet as well?
1: <laughs> I think we certainly can. I mean we, we can keep track. Uh, sort of where they where, where our thoughts. If we were to make a projection, or you know, a prediction, I should say, uh, on over or under the the win total for sure, we can keep track of that.
0: Can you write it down?
1: Yeah, I got
0: it. Okay, you got it. Okay, so Xavier, I don't know you if you heard that. Now that you're back, <laughs> we're, we're not betting, it, we're, we're gonna we're... add it to. Okay, we're gonna add it to our uh, coaching uh thing in our heisman uh, uh oh, what, what was the other one that we had i i the all, America team. all american Honor. team that's right mm-hmm. so we're gonna mm-hmm. add it to to those so we'll keep a running tab you know maybe we'll play a season long skins game or <laughs> or something like that which which could be uh very very fun but let's start out uh, obviously in the sec and let's just go homer for these two guys and uh, yes. start out with georgia here um you know uh, georgia um, is favored to win eleven games. The the win projection is nine point nine three. Like you know, when Nick talked about the percentages before, uh, but the Vegas Insider total is ten. So I mean, it's right there razor thin. Uh so Nick, t- tell us a little bit about Georgia and why they're projected to win. You know, close to ten games here.
1: Yeah. So. Uh- You'll find that a lot in in the SEC. Part of it might be a good thing because you know it shows that our numbers are uh, maybe a little closer than they've been in the past through some of the off season work that we've done. A lot of them are, are very close. Our projected win totals to what the the win total is set by Vegas Insider or the one that they've at least listed. On the other hand, it shows that maybe you know there's not as much value as as we might like. But yeah, we're we're right on. That number uh, we expect Georgia to win uh, basically, you know, a, a 10 and two record uh, and, and probably two conference losses. So, it, you know, they're they're an underdog against Alabama. They're favored in every other game. But if you calculate all those win totals out, you would expect on average if you were to simulate the season an infinite number of times. That they're probably going to finish ten and two with with uh, two SEC losses. So it could be Florida, it could be uh, you know a South Carolina like last year, unexpectedly something like that. But you know Georgia certainly has the talent to compete for uh, not only an SEC championship but a, a playoff spot and a national championship. I think that they. Probably have the best defense in in the country. Uh, they they rank in the top eight at all three levels in our position at unit rankings uh, on defense. Uh, they rank fifth overall uh, in sort of a, some of our our defensive talent metrics. But I think on the field, it's, it's probably going to play out maybe even a little bit better than that uh, statistically. I've got a little bit of a concern on the offensive line. They had one of the best offensive lines in college football last year. They actually ranked third uh, in our offensive line performance metric, so the complete opposite end of, of what Miami did. But they lost, uh, you know, multiple draft picks. Uh, they are only returning one full-time starter. Uh, and, you know, but, but there's a lot of talent still remaining. They actually ranked sixth in our offensive line talent metric. So that feels, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit better. Toss-up games, the games that are going to matter, as you mentioned, Alabama, uh, Florida, of course, in Jacksonville. uh, They play at Alabama, I should say, and Mm -hmm. and they host uh, Auburn in – October for the for the first time yep. in a long time used to normally play in in November so those are going to be the big ones those are the ones where they're uh, going to be favored by you know either an underdog to Alabama or, or favored by a touchdown or less I think our spread right now against Florida is about three three and a half uh something in that range so is an excellent, excellent team of course you know uh, Xavier I'm sure is going to go through a, a lot of the players uh excited to see what Jamie Newman does on offense full season with George Pickens. Hopefully that offense will take a step forward if you're a Georgia fan. But the defense, I think, you know, Richard LeCount, kind of the headliner, Aziz O'Jallari, uh a ton, a ton of great players uh, defensively. But they're certainly going to be a team to be reckoned with and our favorite in the East at this point starting out. But as of right now, the way the numbers look, uh, wouldn't be shocked if, if they end up dropping a couple of close games.
0: You know, Xavier, with, with Georgia, it's really, you know, Jake Fromm we've seen from. Obviously, they should have stuck with Justin Fields. But, um, you know, uh, mistakes will be made, right? They're bringing in yeah. Jamie Newman this year. I think the real question is, along with the games that Nick mentioned, the really tough ones, and that one uh, against Florida is at is in the swamp on Halloween.
1: So, <laughs> no, and
0: they always play in Jacksonville. Yeah. Oh, they play in Jacksonville. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. You're right. Uh, it, for whatever God. reason this one i'm looking at <laughs> says at i guess God. maybe florida is the the home team you know yeah using their quotes mm-hmm. here but it says at florida but uh in in the state of florida on halloween uh is going to be wild especially in jacksonville that that'll be a fun one but really i think you know the defense is really good and the, the defense can keep pace with any sec team it's going to be about kind of the Neanderthal offense that they've ran a little bit with Jake Fromm. can they throw the ball downfield a little bit more? Uh, you know, can the run game feed off of that? Can they keep pace with some of these higher end scoring sec teams? Because like we've heard before, this isn't your same old sec anymore. The, the teams mm-hmm. are really uh, throwing the ball and putting points up on the board. Right?
2: Yeah. I think we'll find out pretty early. Um, we play Alabama week three and I think that's going to be your answer um i don't have all that much faith in the offense um this is an offense that has not performed at a high level in the last couple of years and i think personally it's going to be on the defense again i've talked to a lot of georgia fans and they all ask me are we going to be more exciting than last year and no i don't think so i, I think we would be a 20 to 25 point of team uh point of game team Uh, a lot of slugfests, a lot of games going into the fourth quarter. So that means a lot of, you know, nail files on the ground. Um, It's it's not going to be a pretty season. Um, Nick hit it right on the head. We're going to be talented up front on the offensive line, but we're going to be very inexperienced. And that doesn't bode well um, in a conference where you have to play Florida, who has, I think, like four pass rushers every year that could go in the top three rounds. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And for us, it's going to matter whether or not Jamie Nguyen can get on, Uh, on the same wavelength as George Pickens. It took Jake Fromm nine games to do it last year. And we saw finally in the bowl game what he was capable of doing by the time he got there. But we missed that dynamic play from George Pickens all season. And we can't wait that long this year. We've got Alabama early. If we don't put up or shut up, it's going to look just like they did when they came to Athens a couple of years ago and ran us out of our own stadium. Uh, So, yeah, it's going to be on the offense this year to really put forth the effort to be better than they were last year. Do I see us talent wise? Can we do it? Yes, because I think Newman's a better downfield thrower than Fromm is, but it's going to be a lot of inexperience, and I'm worried that the chemistry will not be there.
0: Now, the number here is 10, Nick. So now that we're uh, going to go through this, are you going over or under that 10 number? And of course, you know, this isn't one, uh, uh, just to be completely honest, uh, we'll do plus one point if you hit it nothing if you miss it because you know um it would just be it's just too much uh going on there hey, 130 teams it's going to be too much work at the end of the year. so um this isn't one i would bet at all but i I'll, I'll take the under i'll start and i'll say I'll, I'll take the under on 10 if that's the number sorry guys
1: <laughs> no i i get it i i would stay away as well i mean i think the numbers set pretty pretty perfectly if it were Ten and a half, I'd, I'd go with the under. If it were nine and a half, I'd go with the over. I, th- I think ten is is uh, absolutely right on. Playing Alabama is, you know, everybody's an underdog to Alabama by more than a touchdown. So uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that that you expect will be a loss. It, it you know wouldn't be shocking if if Georgia were to pull an upset there. But you know they're slight favorites over Florida about a touchdown against Auburn. We saw South Carolina last year. Uh, prove that you know anybody is is capable of, of especially if the offense doesn't show up, uh, jumping up and, and beating Georgia. So uh, if Xavier's prediction comes true and the offense doesn't improve, I, I think that you know they're they're in danger of one bad game from that offense have an opportunity to lose to an Auburn, to a Florida, to someone unexpected. So uh, I think – Get off that fence. Are <laughs> I you over or under? I, uh, you know, I I wouldn't be shocked if everything <laughs> lines up and they make it to the playoff. But I think in, in the year 2020, and because we don't know what is going to happen, there might be some strange things. I think a lot of teams are probably going to lose more games – than we expect. I think it's going to be really, really hard uh, to go undefeated or, or just get out with just one loss. So I think I would have to, if I, if I were forced, if you're going to put a gun to my head to, to choose putting over, a gun under, to your head right now. I'll go under as well.
0: Okay. Xavier, are you going to Homer out just for fun? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you're
2: putting me between a rock and a hard place and I don't like it just um, take
0: the over. It's one point out of 130. It's your favorite <laughs>
2: team.
0: I, can I, say, I don't to. even know what the yeah, number no. on Texas is. I'm taking the over. I can tell Yeah, you. yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I have to. And, and it really came down to who's going to be playing quarterback for Alabama when we play them. If it's Bryce Young, I think that our defense is going to eat him for breakfast. I'll be honest, I'll be honest with you. Um and if it's And if Kyle Trask does not get on the right path, um, which I think he may not be the quarterback by the time we play Florida, that's a hot take, but I don't think he will be the starting quarterback by the time we play them. And that might bode well for us. I think defense is going to bode well for us this year in a year where teams have not been able to practice with each other all off season. That's all I'm saying.
0: All right. So moving down in the SEC East, we go to the Swamp with the Gators and uh, their number is also 10. Uh, We got them at a projected win total of 9.7, Nine point seven, which is you know a little bit lower than what Georgia has overall. Of course, a ten and two record. Uh, Florida, I-, I tell you what, Nick. You know, just looking at the schedule, it looks like their tough games are LSU and I think Auburn. Right? Do they play Auburn? Um,
1: uh, not a- no Auburn this year. No LSU, no LSU. Oh, Auburn, they don't get Auburn, Auburn this year. And and, uh, uh, and and Georgia. They're they're less than a LSU one and point Georgia. favorite. Yeah, less than a one-point favorite against uh, LSU, and, and that game is at home. So, again, if home field advantage isn't uh, as big of a deal in 2020 as, as it is in previous years, then uh, you might expect LSU to, to be favored in that game, and they might end up being favored in that game by the uh, time they play in, in mid-October anyway. But uh, Florida's a, a, a solid team. I mean, I, I saw in the the pick six previews, uh, that just came out the the season preview that they do there. Florida was the SEC's representative in the college football playoff. So a lot of people are high on Florida. Uh, I, I get it. I understand that, you know, Kyle Trask is getting a lot of buzz. He showed some good things last year. He's, he's certainly a good story, an underrated guy coming out of high school, didn't get to play very much uh, coming out of high school and, and, Gets an opportunity, uh, unfortunately, through injury, but, but for him, got an opportunity to play last year and, and performed pretty well. There are a lot of people that think he's the best quarterback returning in the SEC this year. I, I personally don't necessarily agree with that. Some of the stats that I put a, a you know, relatively high weight on showed that perhaps he was a little bit lucky last year, uh, that he didn't turn the ball over as much as he could have. Uh, there were some issues, you know, pocket presence and, and things like that. But you know, as far as potential goes, I mean, he's he's built like an NFL prototype, 6'5", almost two forty, has a strong arm. Uh, they're very if very he's talented. Two
0: forty, I'm one eighty. <laughs>
1: I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> they're uh, they're very very talented around him. They lost a, a ton at, at the receiver position, which is a little bit of a an issue. Three profession, you know, three pro wideouts or four, three got drafted, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, plus LaMichael at running back, got drafted. So they lost a lot of talent, but they've got a lot of skill position talent. My favorite tight end in the country is Kyle Pitts. Trevin Grimes, I think, is in line for – a great year. Kadarius Toney is one of my favorite players in all of college football to watch a guy that can do a lot of different things. And Jacob Copeland has an opportunity to, to you know, step up and take on a bigger role as a third year sophomore. Uh, somebody like Xavier Henderson, true freshman might step up and, and be a name that we're talking about week in and week out as, as, one of the best true freshmen in the country. So they've got some issues. The running game last year was terrible. The offensive line did not grade out well, uh, according to our metrics uh, but if Kyle Trask is, you know, who a lot of people think he is, and, and if those uh, new faces at, at running back, you know, Damian Pierce, Lorenzo Lingard, who received the waiver to play after transferring from Miami former five-star, Malik Davis, whoever emerges at running back, whoever emerges as a big-time playmaker at wide receiver to complement Pitts, there are things to like about the offense there are certainly questions but there are things to like uh Zabir made a i thought an excellent point when he was talking about georgia and, and sort of how uh, the current pandemic and and you know the limited spring and most right. of the cases that we're talking about today uh, a lot of these teams didn't get any spring including georgia and a lot of times early in you know practice uh, things like that you always hear coaches say oh yeah you know the defense is so far ahead of the offense we could see that carry over into the season. And so teams that have, uh, you know, highly talented defenses uh, might have an edge and and Florida is in that mix. Todd Grantham is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. One of the most aggressive Uh, they get after people and and they recruit incredibly well. Marco Wilson, you know, potential all American corner Kyrie Elam. I know a lot of people love it corner. Uh, They've got, You know, somebody like Ventro Miller, Britton Cox, former Georgia signee, five-star guys, probably going to step in to be a big-time pass rusher you would expect. And and they've always got guys, you know, on the edge, uh, in the linebacking core. Somebody like Jeremiah Moon set up to have a a really excellent year. So Florida, I think, is starting from a, a really great standpoint. Ten wins is going to be tough because, you know, like Georgia plays Alabama, Florida plays LSU, and they, of course, play each other. That game is basically a coin flip. But, you know, Florida, if they took care of business against everybody else, that they're double-digit favorites, according to our numbers, and you expect, okay, maybe they they win one against LSU and against Georgia, I'm I'm tempted to actually say Florida's got a a clearer path to 11 wins than Georgia does. So I think I might have to uh, say Florida – has a better chance at, at eleven wins. So I'd go with the over, but our official projection is going to be right on at, at ten wins. And and I wouldn't suggest betting the over, but but I think there's a, a slightly uh clearer road to Florida to get to eleven wins this year.
0: Uh, Xavier, I know there's gonna be a disappointment, but I'm gonna take the over too.
1: Yeah. I don't and, and,
0: and and I think really the, the reason for me is they're winning. They're winning at least nine of these games. You know the, the Florida State game at the end of the year is tough. It is on the road as well. That's not a neutral site game, right? That's right. just uh,
1: yeah, on the yeah. in
0: Yeah, see, I'm going to be paranoid about that because I already screwed it up once. So yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just using this we'll app to score. We got you. Back. Uh, but you know they're winning every game. The only ones in question are LSU and Georgia. So give them a coin flip on that. Uh, I, I think that. Uh, On the road against Florida State. I mean, it might be when Norvell has those guys clicking and it's an in-state rival game. So uh, that is a tough one. I I don't think anyone else is really competing with them, though. Uh, Georgia and LSU only. So I'm going to take the over and think that that, they'll get one of those
2: games. Yeah, uh, I don't blame you for taking the over, and I want to go back and retract the statement. I do think Kyle Trask will be our quarterback. Will be their quarterback by the time he plays Georgia. That was just a little bit of my fandom coming out. But regardless, <laughs> I'll get back. I, I like Emory uh, Jones better personally.
1: I, I think Emory Jones is better. So for I. that offense? But
2: but yeah, you know, I just Dan don't think they, they play him at all. Yeah, I. I, right. but I don't think they'll play Emory. That's my biggest issue. Uh, I think he's a better fit. Ah, whatever. Um, when it comes to Florida, here is my biggest reason why. I'm afraid to give for the over. It's because of two games. One, they play Kentucky in the second week. You're playing a quarterback who's back, completely healthy. We already talked about Kentucky has one of the better offensive lines in the SEC. This is a trap game. It's the second week of the season. Who knows what could happen? If we go by uh, actual schedule, they could be playing a – they could not – be on all cylinders at that point, and that's a trap game for me. Kentucky's always give, has always given them trouble over the last couple of years. They finally got over the hump a couple of years ago and beat them in the swamp, ended a 26-year losing streak since then. It's been a back-and-forth kind of battle. That's not a really good game for me, and them going to Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's the next team we're going to talk about. Tennessee's got talent. When they put it together, that's what we've been asking Tennessee since they won their last national championship. That's my biggest thing with them, though, is I think that going to Knoxville game four, and your next two games are South Carolina and LSU. I really feel like that's a game that they may overlook. I I know it's Tennessee, and I know it's a game that people would say, why wouldn't you get up for a game against Tennessee? Tennessee fans suck. Why would you ever want to hear them singing Rocky Top when you're leaving the stadium? But this is a game you can completely overlook and look too far ahead to the games that you have on the road. This is something that I think is going to plague them. And I do really think Kyle Trask is going to struggle with a new receiving core. We saw last year with from new receivers, from looked lost to find somebody to help him out. And I think losing Van Jefferson and company is gonna make him at least a little bit more timid to make the throws that he tried last year with the guys that he had. Yes, he has Kyle Pitts, but I think he's gonna be more timid. With that being said, I'm forced to go with the under because I'm a Georgia fan. I do not think that they will win 10 games. I don't think they will go above 10 games. I don't I would not be surprised if they win 10 right on the no- right on the noggin, but Florida has a tendency to have a game where they lapse uh memory and laps they believe to play the game for about two quarters before they wake up. And I think that that game might fall somewhere here in, in Tennessee or Kentucky.
0: They had that in the opener last year and damn near lost to the, the Canes. See? I remember watching that yeah. game. Yeah. They were uh they were sleepy. Uh and Felipe Franks uh pulled them back out of that, but mm-hmm. that was a messy, messy game for them. That was also way early I think that was like that week zero game. It was the first game of the season or first nationally televised game. Uh, The next two teams in the SEC East here, I'm just going to lump them together because they're in the same range here. Tennessee, uh, Vegas Insiders giving them uh, seven and a half wins. Uh, So this one kind of plays towards our projected win total uh, is uh, 6.81, but uh, eight and four is the record. Uh, So, Nick, you'll have to talk us through that. And Kentucky (laughs) is uh, projected for seven wins. We project them at 6.8, so right on that number, seven and five total. So uh, two teams here, Nick, that are kind of in the same realm in the SEC where they're way above national average, but they're middling for the SEC.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, And I'm not sure if we mentioned it before, but Georgia was ranked fourth uh, in our power ratings, uh, Florida sixth. Then there's a, a pretty big gap down to number 25, Tennessee, which, 20, you know, Tennessee's probably going to get a little bit of uh, preseason top 25 love. They might be in the, you know, late 20s and early 30s and a lot They'll of the have it all the way old, to week we'll 2. We'll see. Sure. Well, uh if, if uh, last year was any indication that uh, I didn't get off to a great start, but uh, they're, they're coming the in on one week
0: of the- I'm not trying to be a jerk.
1: I, I'm not <laughs> That's giving, true. That's very true. Yeah. You know,
0: I'm I'm not uh that's I'm not someone point. that's going to give Oklahoma prop, but they should smoke Tennessee.
1: (laughs) So it's interesting. And, and, you know, Xavier brought up a great point about the the talent. Actually, if you go through and and look at our talent uh, edges, which is something new that we've posted to our team profiles this year for our patrons, uh, only two SEC teams are actually – have a talent edge in more games than Tennessee, and that's Georgia's in eleven, and Alabama. That's all twelve. So uh, Tennessee is right in line with LSU and and Texas A and M is having a talent edge in, in ten games. So that certainly counts for something. So even though we only have Tennessee favored in eight. Uh, Because of the the talent edge up to 10, even though our projected win total is is 6.81, which is exactly the same as as Kentucky's, uh, we did give in our predicted record uh, a little bit of of a boost to Tennessee. Think that they will uh, perhaps get to one more win than that projection because I, I personally think that there's reason to be slightly optimistic about Tennessee. I think Jeremy Pruitt is a good coach, a great defensive yeah, I coach. I think that mm-hmm. uh, he's raised the talent level there. I know that Butch Jones you know brought in some really, really highly talented or you know highly ranked classes. but I think that Jeremy Pruitt is bringing in better players and and I think we're going to see that uh, from here on out. The offensive line has been a weakness each of the the last two years under Pruitt and, and now it should be a strength. I mean they're ranked third in the country in our offensive line. Uh, talent ratings. I mean, they're, they're bringing back a, a talented group. They're adding Cade Mays, who is a starter at Georgia who's transferred in. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's official that he's been granted eligibility, but, but it seems highly likely that he will. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that unit, you got a couple of five-star uh, tackles who got some experience and, and now they'll be ready as sophomores uh, to, you know, potentially play better you would expect. Uh, throw in Mays, throw in one of the best in the country in Trey Smith. That should be a unit that is really, really strong. They need better quarterback play. Jared Garantano is is uh, you know bit, had a bit of a bumpy road. He lost his job last year. Had to play you know uh, come off the bench in in a few games. Played really well off the bench. But uh, they've got good running backs. Some questions at receiver. Uh, but they need more out of Garantano. You expect the defense will be good. Henry Toto is one of the more fun linebackers to watch uh, in the SEC. They've got one of the best cornerback combinations uh, in the league. Need a little bit better safety play. The defensive line, I, I expect, will take a, a step forward. Uh, but Tennessee's good. I mean, they, they are highly talented, you know, and there's really no weak spot. If, if you go through our chart uh, that's here on our, our sheet that I will publish for uh, patrons, you can see that Tennessee, in our unit ratings, that their weakest spot is running back, and that's number 23 in the country they have the 23rd best running back crew in the country. They're better everywhere else across the board. 13th at quarterback, maybe that's a little inflated, but still should be. You know, not a major weakness. 21 at receiver, third offensive line, six offenses a whole, which is you know top three in the SEC, and they're basically top 25 at every level defensively. So few weaknesses. They're they're coming in with a lot of momentum based off you know, a winning streak at the end of last season. So I give Tennessee a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, even though they're projected to win slightly fewer than seven games, I think they'll actually get to eight Kentucky. I, I give less of a benefit of the doubt. And that might be counterintuitive because Kentucky has been able to overachieve in, in recent years. And and so, you know, I, I, I want to, uh, you know, respect Mark Stoops and and the job that he's done and and sort of give them the benefit of the doubt. But when push comes to shove and I look at these two teams, especially against one another, there's a pretty big gap in in talent just across the board. Kentucky's got, I think, more questions at quarterback with Terry Wilson coming off an injury. You know, the running back, they got a talented group, but, you know, no, no, uh, number one guy no Benny Snell so until that guy emerges I'm, I'm a little bit nervous the offensive line should be a strength again they do play good defense but none of their units defensive line linebacker defensive back none breaks inside the top 35 in our talent metric so I, I think when you put the two against one another Tennessee has the edge in in almost every position group. And, and so that, I think, uh, is certainly worth it. Tennessee plays a tougher schedule. Of course, they have to play Alabama. But, uh, you know, Kentucky's going to be a tough out. But I, I think Tennessee is the better team. And I don't think it's, you know, maybe even really as close as, as the four spots that we've got between the two in our power ratings.
0: So you're over on Tennessee, under on Kentucky. Am I right on that?
1: Over on Tennessee. I I do think they'll get date wins and and the number seven and a half. So that's my first outright actual over. I don't know that I'd bet it. I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but I'm close. Uh, Kentucky, I think seven is right on. Uh, But I could see things playing out, especially since we only have them favored in six games, especially since they only have six talent edges, including only two in SEC play. You know, having them beat a more talented team two additional times is is tough. They certainly can do it. But I I think that uh, I would have to lean for the under for Kentucky, yeah.
0: So, Xavier, uh, looking at Tennessee's schedule, right? At Oklahoma, week Mm -hmm. two is a loss. Uh, September 26th against Florida, loss, correct? Bama (laughs) on October 24th is a loss. At uh, UGA, a loss. So that's four and then a wild card after that, like maybe, <laughs> I don't know, Georgia State. you know. <laughs> like uh, th- but they play Missouri um, mm-hmm. on the road against South Carolina. Uh, I-, I think those are the-, the other two concerning games, so you kind of have to look at those two specifically. I think they can win both those games. Are they going to win both of them?
2: I don't know. Don't overlook Troy since we're on the whole Sun Belt thing. You're
0: uh, right. <laughs> you're right. That's um, a great point.
2: But I love Tennessee. I know this is going to sound contradictory to everything I've ever said on this podcast. Yeah,
0: but What is happening?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love Tennessee you're everywhere. You're going to have but... to cut that audio and keep it away. later.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have I, a drop. I, I love again. Tennessee. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 I love them everywhere except quarterback. Um, Garantano, Guarantano, however you want to pronounce it has shown me absolutely no reason to have faith in him going into this season. And that scares me. It, it, it shows me, once again, that Tennessee has talent everywhere except for where they absolutely need it, and that's at the quarterback position. Tennessee has had ridiculous amounts of cl- uh, recruiting classes for the better part of four to five years that they have not been able to figure out the quarterback position. And I think that's what's been holding them back. I also hate their schedule. They have the Texas A&M schedule from last year, this year. And we all know Texas A&M had to play, what was it, four top five teams last year. Uh, and now Tennessee gets that same fate playing Oklahoma, Florida, Alabama, and Georgia. That's not going to be fun. Uh, and in, a, in an offseason where you don't get the same kind of preparation that you would normally get, to get Oklahoma and Florida in the first four weeks, yeah, two and two is just two and two. It just doesn't seem like a very good situation to be walking into, especially with a quarterback that got, if I'm not mistaken, Guarantan got benched last year, too, for a game. He also had his series of injuries. Okay, two games. He also had a series of injuries as well. He I mean this this is not a guy walking into a situation with confidence. You know, he's going to but he's going to have the talent around him to get the job done. My only issue is will he do it? Um and and it, it it doesn't bode well for them with a quarterback who doesn't walk in with any confidence. And I just I don't know. I'm going to have to go over cuz I just think for once the talent will get it done. I mean, they've even got the help on the offensive line now, adding Cade Mays. Um, but I think it's the complete opposite at Kentucky. Terry Wilson, in my opinion, is the, my favorite quarterback to watch in the SEC. Hands he down. coming I off.
0: Him. I mean, this is why Bowden played. He's coming off the ACL. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and I think that might hinder the way he plays, which I hope it doesn't. Uh, obviously, he, him he been got hurt early last
0: year. So yeah. we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed for 100% from Terry for
2: sure. Right. And so with Kentucky, they have the offensive line talent. They have two or three guys in the top 30 returning offensive linemen, according to PFF. And Terry Wilson, like I said, is one of my favorite quarterbacks. But for them, they don't have talent anywhere else. So that's why I have to go with the under. It's like the opposite of two teams. If I could put Terry Wilson on Tennessee, man, that would be one heck of a ball club in my opinion. Or if I could put Tennessee, you know, talent everywhere else in Kentucky, same difference. But I just – for both teams, it's the quarterback. It's the talent elsewhere that really doesn't bode well for me. So Kentucky, I'm going to go under. Tennessee, I'm going to go over. Uh, but Garantano has to step up for Tennessee. There, there's no excuses anymore, kid. You're a, You've been playing for three years now. It's time to step up. If Tennessee does anything.
0: the the hook is what kills me on Tennessee. Seven and a half mm. is the total. <laughs> there, we counted off four losses for sure. Yeah, and you know they they just go ahead.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna say they. Win one of those games. I don't one know of who those it for is. sure losses. They're they're gonna they're gonna beat either Georgia, Florida, Alabama, or Oklahoma.
2: <laughs> I thought you were gonna stop at one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, no, no. I'm not, I don't know who it's gonna be.
1: I hope. I, they beat Oklahoma. Is that I hope it's not.
2: Is that game against Oklahoma in Oklahoma? Uh, never mind. Is I was that, gonna say it's Oklahoma. In Norman. It's yeah, in I Norman. can't do it anymore. Nope. Yeah. Well, if there's no fans that might be the kicker for me.
0: Sure. It, it could be. And you know, they're getting Oklahoma week in Spencer Rattler's second start ever. Mm-hmm. So uh, that there is definitely a possibility, but I don't think they're winning any four of those games and Tennessee in the history of Tennessee. They like to drop another weird one in there yep. somewhere. So I, I got to take the under for Tennessee. Uh, it's harder for me with Kentucky um, because I think you look Florida, Auburn, um, U- UGA, all guaranteed losses. And then they'll probably lose to Tennessee, which is four losses right and there. And they have Louisville too. And yeah, Louisville is a tough one as well. Um, and uh, do they play Louisville?
2: Oh, wait, Louisville.
1: Yeah, last no. yeah, game is cool. end of, the,
0: end of the year. Oh, and uh, you're right. Last game of the year was below my my thing here. I had to scroll up. So, okay, yeah. So that's yeah, another over, loss. Back to back weeks. <laughs> yeah, and South Carolina's in there too. I got to take the under on, on Kentucky as well. So I'm, I'm going to go under, which is surprising for me. I, I don't like <laughs> betting unders. Uh, but uh, I think the reason I'm betting the unders is because the, these two teams, um, you know, uh, overall in their FBS uh, CFP winning edge ranking, uh, 32 and 39. So these are good squads. In Missouri and South Carolina, the win totals are low because of the SEC and the rough schedule. Uh, you know we've got uh, Missouri projected to win over six games, six point eight seven, uh, and the number here for the Vegas Insider total is five. Uh, South Carolina we have at you know five point eight two, and their number is five and a half. So that one's a little closer. I think uh, this Missouri number is ripe for. Uh, actually betting, Nick. I, I like this Missouri number a lot.
1: I agree, and I, and I wonder if it's a misprint, actually, because <laughs> when I was looking at... Then bet it! When, when I was looking at it, the, the, the DraftKings had it at 7 in in April or whenever it was that they, that they posted these. So that's a pretty big gap, and then our mm-hmm. projected win total is 6.87 because there are a lot of toss-up games, and, and we have Missouri as you know, a 48% chance of beating uh, South Carolina, 38% chance of beating Tennessee, 53% chance of beating uh, Kentucky. So, you know, a, a lot of games that can go one way or the other, but kind of expect that uh, things will eventually sort themselves out. And and I think that Missouri has an opportunity to, to get to seven wins. I know there's a lot of changeover, new head coach, new quarterback, a uh, lot of Bunch moving of parts. Bunch of transfers coming in, absolutely. But but Missouri, I, I think the schedule actually sets up relatively well. The non-conference is is manageable. An FCS opponent, Eastern Michigan's one of the least talented FBS teams in the country. Louisiana Lafayette in, in that last week before the season finale is going to be tough. That's probably the Sun Belt's best opportunity to knock off an SEC team this year. And then BYU is capable of beating basically any Power 5 team as we've seen. So not the easiest schedule, but the way it sets up in the SEC, I, I think works out relatively well. Getting Arkansas as, as your crossover rival always helps, and mm-hmm. Mississippi State, uh, this is a year that, that you would like to get Mississippi State, I think, uh, in that crossover also. So I'm, I'm fairly high on Missouri relative to, to this specific win total, if it is uh, in fact going to be available prior to the season. Uh, I think that they have an opportunity certainly to, to get to at least six wins, if not seven. We've got them favored in six, I think, and, and uh, having a, or no favored in seven, excuse me, and, and talent edges in six, which is somewhat rare for Missouri. We were, we were relatively low on Missouri last year because the schedule didn't set up particularly well, but, but I do think I like it uh, this year. South Carolina, kind of the opposite. They play the toughest schedule in the country, according to, uh, the average of our power ratings uh, of their opponents, they're they're up at, at the top. Alabama actually plays our overall toughest schedule, but South Carolina is in that mix. And then, you know, the the uh, overall average power ratings, they're they're the toughest of anybody. So they're only favored to win five games and and have talent edges only in six. And then, you know, South Carolina, though they did beat Georgia last year, they're certainly a team capable of. Of uh, dropping a game that you don't necessarily expect them to, and and uh, I have been reading my uh, Athlon preseason magazine. They do a, a great job with anonymous co- uh, coach quotes, uh, which I think are some of the best pieces of insight that that are available in that magazine. And and I was reading earlier there was a, a great point that you know because Will Muschamp's fingerprints are of course all over. Uh, the defense, and he's a Nick Saban disciple, as are a lot of other uh, defensive coaches, head coaches, even in, in the conference. Uh, South Carolina's defense is, is very similar to a lot of other defenses schematically that opponents are, are going to face. So You might have just gotten over facing Georgia or Alabama right before South Carolina, and things are going to look very similar. The only difference is South Carolina has worse players. I mean, they have good players, but they're not elite like Alabama and, and like Georgia. So, if you've already done the legwork preparing schematically, uh, and you've got you know less of a, a more talented team to deal with, that is, I think, a, an edge that's that's worth noting. And and so, South Carolina's sort of route to six wins, you know, to get over here at, at uh, the five and a half is going to be very difficult because there's almost no room for error. You almost have to think that they need to beat a Georgia, you know, beat a team that they're not expected to to get there. Uh, our predicted, my predicted uh, one loss record actually gets them there, gets them to six. I don't feel great about it, but I have both Missouri and South Carolina at six wins, both of which would technically be overs, but, uh, I think Missouri. I feel slightly comfortable if you can get five. I, I like that. I think they, <laughs> I think they could get to seven. I, I actually shaved a, a a win off because of the coaching change, but the defensive coordinator's coming back, and, and they had a great defense last year. A lot of you know a couple of really high level players. Nick Bolton, one of the best linebackers in the country. Uh-huh. A couple of really good defensive backs. So uh, there's a lot to like about uh, Missouri. You know, I sort of hedged it a little bit by calling for only six wins, even though we project closer to seven. South Carolina, I'm going a little bit out on a limb to to get them to six, but I wouldn't be surprised if they miss a bowl again this year. But I, I think if I had to choose, I'll go with overs for both Missouri and South Carolina.
0: I, I'm going to take the over on Missouri for sure, Xavier. And mm-hmm. you know, I think just looking at the schedule, I think they have losses at Florida and then home against Georgia. But I think Uh they're going to be slight underdogs in a lot of these games, but they have the ability to win one fumble, one pick, whatever can change the whole course of a game. So I'm thinking, you know, uh, Missouri at South Carolina, they they can win that one. I think they can beat Tennessee. I don't think they will. Uh, Maybe that's a little more than slight underdog Uh, going on the road to BYU is tough but I think they could get that one Um, against Kentucky. They can win Uh, at Mississippi state. They can win Lafayette is, is a toss up lots of toss ups here. So not a lot of guaranteed losses, but not a lot of guaranteed wins either. So I'll take the over for Missouri, South Carolina. I just don't think I can get on board. The schedule is just too rough and I like them a lot uh, this year. I I think uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch, but you know, at Florida, a uh, and Georgia, LSU, Clemson are all losses, and yeah. a couple other toss-up games. I can't get behind South Carolina, but what do you think on these two teams, Javier?
2: Yeah, I, I really like Missouri. I'm going to go over on Missouri as well. I think their schedule just bodes well for them. They didn't get you know bludgeoned by the West. Uh, their choices this year, um, you know, they only really have Georgia and Florida as guaranteed losses, in my opinion, as well. I think. They can easily start the year off four and zero, and that that gets them what a game and a half or a game away from meeting the you know our project the projected Vegas Insider. And I think they have the ability to win six or seven games. My only question with them is, will one loss derail their season? I'm I'm really looking at that Georgia game, and I'm saying to myself, okay, if they get stomped into the ground by Georgia, will they fall apart against Kentucky and then Mississippi State in the following weeks before fitting a Florida team? Um, And that really kind of worries me as Missouri, I think, for the last couple of years has had similar has had pretty decent starts, but they kind of start to falter towards the end of the year once they meet the bigger competition. So that worries me just a little bit. But South Carolina has an absolute dog of a November. And that's not fair. I'm sorry. Georgia, LSU and Clemson, Clemson, LSU, both on the road. In the month of November, that's just... I mean, if they expanded
0: hard. playoffs, that might get you to the championship right there. You know, yeah, right. that could be the ladder building.
2: Yeah, that's that's awful. That's not, a, that's not a fun way to spend Thanksgiving. Um, I, I can only imagine, you know, when you look at their schedule, where do you see them picking up their victories? Because even the games that we expect them to win, so we have Coastal, Eastern Carolina, Wofford. I think that's it. I think that I think we can all say that that's probably the only games we have them penciled in for winning. That's only three, so that's not even that's two and a half away from what they have been projected at. Mm-hmm. I really like that they're they're about a two touchdown favorite over Vanderbilt. Oh, I missed oh, I apologize, Vanderbilt. Ah, my bad. Yes, well, you too.
0: we're we're gonna get to Vanderbilt in a second here.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, but you got to go under South Carolina. So
0: Vanderbilt is a baseball school, and uh, <laughs> I think I think we all know that. Uh, lots of great players coming out of Vandy. Uh, David Price, of course, probably one of their better ones. Uh, Danby Swanson coming out of Andy. A lot, lot of good ones. But, uh, you know, their win total is three. We got them at two and ten, Nick. And looking at the schedule, they play Mercer week one.
2: Is that a win?
0: I don't know. I don't know anything <laughs> about Mercer's schedule. So I would say just FBS versus FCS in general, probably a win.
1: Well, according to, to the- uh, according to our numbers, we've got Vanderbilt favored by twenty six, uh, almost twenty seven points in that there one. There so we go. Should okay. should win that one. Make it should but- win that one. <laughs> From there, yeah, yeah,
0: Colorado State. It might be close. What what's the line on that Colorado State game, Nick? You we have, have Colorado
1: that? State favored by almost
0: <laughs> by almost two touchdowns, two points, two points. Okay, <laughs> but, Ooh, but okay. So we have maybe Colorado
1: State favored. That I think is. You
0: know, <laughs> after that, Kansas State, uh, UGA, Kansas Mississippi, State. Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida, A&M, they're losing all those. What What's a spread in the La Tech game, Louisiana Tech?
1: We've got Louisiana Tech favored by about three and a half.
0: Okay, so that is a maybe, but that is getting to three wins. You, you, you beat Mercer, you beat Colorado State and Louisiana Tech. The good news is Colorado State and Louisiana Tech are both home games. As is Mercer, so they could get to this three win total. There's no way in hell I would bet that though. So, uh, if the number is three, I'm gonna take the under. They're favored oh. in, they're only favored against an FCS opponent. Come on, oh, are and- you
2: sure you w- God, would? <laughs> God, <laughs> why didn't you just try to hold on to James Franklin? Lord, oh, yeah, I can't blame you there. I'd go for the under two because even when you look at last year's schedule, they barely got over the hump against Northern Illinois at home. Uh, They lost to UNLV at home. Blown out. Yeah. Jesus.
0: (laughs) They're a baseball school.
2: I'm going to give them one win. I genuinely don't know if they'll be Colorado State. Um, I'm not favoring them against La Tech. And, and. like I said, I think I'm gonna put like ten dollars down against Mercer, uh, just to see what may happen, because Mercer was a pretty decent, has been a pretty decent FCS, FCS team since their uh, inaugural season. Uh yeah, man, Vanderbilt sucks. I'm sorry, just- <laughs>
0: yeah, they really do. I mean, Nick, uh, yeah, what, where are you going with this one?
2: This is the
1: probably the one I feel the most. Confident in, I, I think Vanderbilt under three is is about as good as as I feel about anything. <laughs> uh, you know, I, we won't dive too deep in, into Vanderbilt. The only thing really to know, their defense is very experienced. They bring back eleven starters, one of the most experienced defenses in the country. The offense is almost the complete opposite. One of the least experienced in the country. Quarterback is probably a four person race. Offensive line starting over. They were bad last year. Uh, the the one note that I made here that I think kind of drives the point home: the gap in our power rankings. Vanderbilt ranks a hundredth. Yeah. Uh, that's forty three spots behind the thirteenth ranked team in the SEC, according to our numbers. Arkansas, who's mid fifties, right? Mm-hmm. The difference there is tied with the you know tied for worst among any conference and in, in the gap between last and, and second to last with Kansas and, and West Virginia. So if Vanderbilt is that far behind the rest of the SEC as Kansas is to the rest of the, the Big 12, I think is, is pretty indicative of what we can expect. I think Vanderbilt's going to be bad. They were bad on defense yeah. last year, even though they're experienced. I think that one win against Mercer, I, I think Xavier's right. That's That might be all I'm I'm willing to give them. They might beat another, uh, you know, Colorado State or Louisiana Tech. I don't expect them to beat both, and and I would be at this point pretty shocked if they beat a, an SEC opponent. I know they got uh, Missouri last year. They they jumped up and, and surprised them. I don't I don't think it's happening this year. I think Vanderbilt might be the worst Power Five team in, in college football this year.
0: Now going over to the SEC West. Uh, we've got uh, Alabama as uh, the best team in in this conference, two overall in our rankings, LSU uh, at five, even after losing uh, a bunch of players. So two top five teams, three top five teams, really, because Georgia's four. But in the West, we got two top five teams. Alabama, their number is 10 and a half. Uh, We have them to go 11 and one. So it's still another very close one. And uh, nine for LSU, Nick. Uh, but we've got them at that number at nine and three. So another tough one to bet. Um, what are you thinking on Bama and LSU?
1: I I think I like Bama to go over uh, 11 wins. Certainly seems doable. I mean, the, the game against Georgia uh, is obviously a, a difficult hurdle. Auburn has caused some problems in, in years past, uh, but I think Alabama Alabama spent most of the offseason as our number one team in our, our power ratings. Uh, towards the very end, the, only in the last month or so, has Clemson inched ahead. Uh, but I think Alabama is uh, certainly you know, my favorite to, to win the SEC this year. Uh, the talent is evident all across the ro- roster. The only question is is quarterback, where they actually rank in, in the 50s. Uh, and I think that might be a little low because I, I liked a lot of what I saw from Mac Jones last year uh, from a yards per attempt perspective. He was very good. The number of uh, passes per touchdown pass uh, was you know roughly 10, which, which is excellent. Uh, 10, 10 is a great number in both of those categories, 10 yards per pass attempt and, and 10 passes per touchdown and he hit both of those marks, and, and I feel pretty good about that. And if he can't get the job done, they've got uh, the number one player in the country, according to 247 Sports, ready to come in and, and take that job over. So I feel great about Alabama offensively. In any other year, basically, Alabama would have had the best offense of all time, according to our numbers. But LSU was just yeah. completely unbelievable. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, that was, and that was with Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, being injured for for several games. So Alabama, you know, they they lost a bunch of talent, but they've got two 100-rated wide receivers coming back. They've got two 100-rated offensive linemen coming back. Uh, Running back is our number one running back room in the country. Najee Harris is a 100-rated player, and there's depth behind him. I think Najee Harris could – uh, when the Heisman, if everything uh, clicks, if, if quarterback is an issue and they feed him more, I, I think he could put up Heisman type numbers. But if not, they've got great receivers. And I, I think the quarterback uh, position's going to be just fine. So, uh, you know, at, you know, defensively, they need to get a little bit better. They're seventh in defensive roster strength, which is, you know, down a bit from where we you know would expect the defensive line is young, the secondary is young. But, you know, I took in our All-American drafts, in addition to taking both of those receivers, I took linebacker. Dylan Moses, and I took Patrick Sertan the corner very early. So They've got elite talent. They've got elite guys coming in. They're young, yes, but we expect uh, that they will be better. I, I expect Alabama to win the SEC. I expect them to make it to the playoff, and I, I think they can certainly give Clemson and, and Ohio State and whoever that fourth team is uh, a run. LSU, my only question Texas.
2: is... What's that? Oh, well, okay,
1: okay. And, and Texas, certainly. I think Alabama can give Texas... A run, for sure. Uh, But speaking of, LSU plays Texas. We actually have Texas as the most talented team. LSU is favored in that game, but that's going to be a difficult one. We already talked about the coin flip against Florida. Uh, Alabama is, you know, uh, they're an underdog against Alabama. It's it's very close. It's a toss-up game with Texas A&M. So LSU has a very tough road. Not to mention, they're coming in as the you know losing the most overall production basically of any team in college football, losing arguably the greatest quarterback season of all time, uh, with the possible exception of Cam Newton. But I, I think Burrow is is pretty much up there, and tons and tons of talent on defense as well. LSU, you know, could we see a step back like that Auburn team? They won the national championship in, in Uh, 2010 but then fell back and lost five games all blowout fashion the next year Uh, I don't know that I necessarily expect that but I think nine wins is is going to be tough Uh, so I I would not bet this but I would I would actually probably lean to the under at LSU if they get it figured out if Miles Brennan is a great quarterback if they if they find a guy to step forward uh, at running back, they've got one of the best receiver cores in the country that got our number one secondary. So talent is there, but some key questions, plus some coaching turnover, plus a ton of personnel. Uh, so I, I think LSU, everything, you know, clicked perfectly last year. They were one of the greatest teams all time. I think they take a relatively big step back. Nine wins seems like the ceiling uh, for the regular season, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they end up eight and four.
0: No. I don't know that I have much to add to that, Nick. That I mean, mm. I think you said it perfectly. You know, uh, Alabama is the team to beat, as they usually are. Last year, like you said, would have been one of the best offensive teams ever had it not been for LSU and the incredible run that they had. And LSU is just losing too much to to match up with this win total. So I think this is fairly easy, an over on Bama and an under on LSU, Xavier. What are you thinking?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would love, <laughs> I would love to go over on on Alabama. I don't trust Mac Jones. I just don't. He, I watched him in the biggest game of their season last year. Throw it away. He threw two pick sixes against Auburn in the Iron Bowl, and that put a very very bad taste in my mouth when it comes to his ability. I genuinely think this is gonna be a season. You know, my my football historians will know about this one. When it was Cole Stout and Deshaun Watson, where Cole Stout started the season off, but Deshaun Watson won that job. I think it's going to happen in like Alabama. What is Cole Stout? Mac Jones doing is going to start the season.
0: What type of insurance is he selling? That much.
1: <laughs> I, I hope Stout he's uh, in the brewery. <laughs> <laughs> <perfect>. mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: because uh, I think Mac Jones. Were you making start? a dad joke, yeah.
0: Nick? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. I just think it makes sense. He's wearing the shirt.
1: Just think he's Wearing the shirt. Oh, I oh, yeah. should wear my yeah. I should wear my Denver Beer Company Walt Weiss oh, okay. shirt. <laughs> a Cole Stout would sell very well in Clemson, South Carolina. I,
0: would I can't respond to that. Uh, Xavier, <laughs> you were saying?
2: Uh... <laughs> I think I think Mac Jones will start the season off, but Bryce Young will be the quarterback um, come mid-year. I think he'll earn the job and he'll win the job um, after Mac Jones starts off pretty slow. So I'm going to go under uh, 10 and a half. I think 10 is where I want them at. So I'm going to go under 10 and a half. Um, with LSU, don't really like them either. Um, LSU is a team that loses too much talent for me for me to be ready to put them uh, anywhere near what they were last year. I think they're going to get stomped by Texas. Scott, hooray for you. Uh, I think they're going to lose to Florida in the swamp. Um, I don't like them against Alabama. I think they... I don't like them against Alabama late in the season at all. Once Alabama gets the gears turning and I don't really like them in the last game of the season against A&M. That's four losses already for me. Uh, so I'm going to go under with LSU as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. LSU is a tough one. You know, you just, you can never have the same expectations after you lose a guy like Joe Burrow. Of mm-hmm. course. So uh, moving down the, the list in the West here, uh, Auburn uh, is an eight and a half win total. We've got them uh, to go nine and three, but uh, the projections is eight point three, so it's right in line. Uh, Texas A and M is projected to win nine and a half, and we've got them at nine and three, so they're right in there too. Mississippi State uh, is projected to win six and a half. We've got them at seven and five. So a lot of good talent here between these three teams that all look a little shaky on their number nick so uh auburn a m and mississippi state and they're all still in the top 20 overall as far as our rankings go uh throughout the the nation here so uh tell me about these teams
1: so auburn the the first thing that stuck out to me their weakest link according to our numbers their weakest unit is at running back and they're still uh, you know, you know, still in the in the top thirty. And I think at Auburn, if you're running back is the biggest question mark, that's a really good sign. Now, that also gives them maybe a little bit of an inflated, uh, offensive line rating comparatively, you know, lo- replacing five starters is never easy. There's not really a ton of experience coming in. They got a, a graduate transfer who's, who's made 24 starts, but he's coming from Akron, not really mm-hmm. expected to, to pen- be penciled in as a starter. So if the offensive line comes together, then I feel better about the running game. I do like Bo Nix. I think he will take a step forward. I like Chad Morris as we expect to be the play caller. You never know at Auburn how long that will last. because Malzahn has handed over the keys a, a few times, and, and it you know never seems to to quite work or, or really last for any period of time. So there are certainly questions on offense, but defensively, you know they lost a ton of uh, of talent up front. They all lost uh, you know a highly drafted uh, guy in, at corner uh, as well. But the linebacker core is very good. I think they'll be able uh, to replace. Uh, those missing pieces, Marlon Davidson, uh, who, who am I, who am I missing? Who's, who's the first round pick? Derek, I Brown, pick. Right? Derek Brown, Brown, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, you, you, can't necessarily replace guys that are that talented, but Big Cat Bryant, Tyrone Truesdale, Daquan Newkirk, whoever comes in. And Five
0: stars, four stars. Exactly. Fine. So
1: they're, they're going to be fine. The linebacker core, I think, is going to be very good. Owen Popo is one of my favorite players. K.J. Britt is an all-conference type linebacker. And and the secondary is young, but, but I think they're going to be very good. Uh, Kevin Steele ranks second nationally in our defensive coordinator uh, rating. So I think he's going to get that unit in shape and they're going to be highly competitive. Uh, I do like Auburn, I think, to go over uh, the eight and a half. I I think nine is certainly reasonable. I think that there's a case to be made that this Auburn team could beat LSU and and get to 10 wins. Uh, Texas A&M, I see very similarly. I think Texas A&M's schedule sets up incredibly, incredibly well uh, through the first what, three months, or September, or October, for the first two months of the year, X, <laughs> November is going to be difficult. So if they can pick up that momentum, and, and you know, if, if momentum is a, a real thing, uh, then, you know, there's reason to think that they can come in and, and maybe make some noise in November if they're coming in undefeated, ranked in the top two or three in the playoff conversation. There's a lot of things to like about Kel and Mond. Some of the Throws he made last year were absolutely incredible. I know it was Texas State, but he made a couple of throws in the season over last year against Texas State that might have been the most impressed by a quarterback that I've been all year. The only problem was we didn't really see those throws in the other 12 games they played, and he just wasn't quite consistent. He he had some decision making issues. You know, you, you hope that he's going to be able to, to put it you all together. You can say they were
0: lucky throws, Nick. It's not <laughs> illegal. You can say it.
1: Go back, go back and watch uh, just some highlights against Texas State. He was he. Texas oh State. man, I know it was, but just the the pure talent that, that he he flashed in, in that game was. He's a highly
0: rated I love, uh, prospect. I love him. The NFL he is, I love him too.
1: He is, yeah. and, and he's got athletic ability. If if everything comes together. Texas a can have a special season. I really like the defense. They've got a talent edge in all 12 regular season games defensively, or 11 of uh, 11 of 12, maybe mm-hmm. something like that. It, it, look at our FBS team profiles, I'll tell you. But uh, <laughs> they, they stack up very, very well from a talent standpoint. There are a few weak links, very similar to Tennessee in that uh, respect where there's no major weakness. They lost their best player on defense last year. Uh, on the defensive line, but the rest of the unit is one of the most experienced in the country. You know they're they're going to be uh, very very tough. We just haven't quite seen them become an elite team quite yet. So you wonder if they're going to be able to get up to that point. They don't quite have the depth that a team like LSU, even uh, you know, as as young as they will be, as Alabama, as Georgia, probably as Florida. So if we're talking SEC title contenders, their margin of error is much thinner just from a depth standpoint they're not going to be able to, to weather too many injuries but they've got the talent to be anybody on a particular Saturday so I think Tennessee or excuse me I think Texas A&M is, is certainly capable of getting to 10 wins I don't our numbers don't see them quite getting there so I would go under on Texas a and I would actually go over for Auburn uh, Mississippi State if the number is six and a half I, I do like that because our our Projections actually have them getting over seven wins. Our prediction settled at seven because I think the defense is going to be pretty bad. Obviously, if, if Kylan Hill does decide to sit out, that will have an impact. Uh, I, I did run that scenario and saw that that basically dropped about three points off of their you know game-per-game game projected uh, point spreads. So they would lose about a field goal's worth uh, of value every game. Uh, if Kylan Hill were were to sit out this year, I'm, I'm very high on KJ Costello at quarterback, and I think the the schedule sits relatively well. But I've got some concerns about the defense, major concerns about the defense. And then you know you always wonder with coaching turnover. I'm I'm going to be more likely to lean toward under uh, performing as opposed to overperforming. So I would go over the six and a half, but but I wouldn't recommend it for Mississippi State I think seven wins is about right six wouldn't surprise
0: me uh Xavier your thoughts between auburn a m and Mississippi state I mean these are some good squads, but you know with eight and a half nine and a half and six and a half as the win totals these are kind of difficult picks
2: yeah, I really dislike auburn this year i and this isn't even me being a homer here. I don't like the idea that Bo Nix is going to have to man that offense by himself in year two. Yes I, know he has, yes, I know he has talent on the outside that will be returning from last year, but they weren't great passing the football last year as it was, and they really harped on Booby Whitlow in the running game. And, and with losing him, that is what really made me skeptical of what they were going to be able to do this year with Bo Nix at the helm. Also, the schedule is not favorable. They have to play UNC in Week Two. Who's a team that we all think could possibly make some noise in the ACC? Then they That's get A and
0: M Week Two, for sure. Right?
2: Yeah, they get Georgia on the road. They get Alabama on the road. They get LSU at home, but I think LSU is a better program than they are, and and I think it's not going to bode very well for them. So I'm going to go under their eight and a half. I think I just labeled four possible losses for them, which would give them an eight and four record. So I'm going to go under for Auburn. I really like Texas a and Nick, you said it. They have not been able to be elite. And, but with their schedule this year, they don't have to be. They just have to be great. They just have to be better than good. They don't have to be an elite program. I mean, you start off your season with ACU, North Texas, Colorado, and Arkansas. That's 4-0 in my opinion. Then you have Mississippi State and Fresno State. That's 6-0. I think we'll know what we're going to really get from Texas A&M in week seven when they play Auburn. That is going to be the where we hit the head to see if they get above the nine and a half that they, uh, that they are touted for. Because I don't think they're going to be Alabama and LSU the last two games of the year. But if they can get over Auburn, they get 10. So I'm going to go over with Texas A&M. I think that Kellerman makes that next step. I think last year what we saw from Kellerman was he was seeing ghosts. You played LSU's defense last year, Clemson's defense last year, Georgia's defense last year. I would have been seeing ghosts. I would have been having nightmares dreaming about everybody else's defense except, and theirs as well. So I think Kellen this year will be able to build confidence, something he wasn't able to do last year. And confidence, as we saw from Burrow last year, works a lot well with a quarterback. Uh, so I really like Texas A&M to go over their 9.5 and, and get somewhere in the 10-win range uh, for next season, they're probably one of my dark horse favorites to be the second best team in the SEC West uh, going into next year, as I think that they have the ability to do it. I just think that they've had the schedules that were very unfair to them the last couple of years. And with Mississippi State, I'm going to have to go over. They have like this weird schedule this year where it's broken up in like four pocket in three pockets. It's like cupcakes to start the year off. Then they have a gauntlet in the middle. Then they finish with cupcakes again. And I think that just works out very well for them. Uh, I think that that's going to allow um, Mike Leach and company and KJ Costello to gain confidence in weeks one through four um, and then battle, become battle-tested in the middle of the year to finally run through the tape at the end of the year. I think that Mississippi State, and with, with Mike Leach, that offense is going to work regardless who is there. I think he's been able to prove that at Washington State, and he'll prove it at Mississippi State. Yeah, you're right, Nick. The defense is going to be bad but since when has Mike Leach had an amazing defense ever in his tenure anywhere? And I think he's going to compensate that with the style of offense that he plays and with the teams that they're playing this year. I think that'll more than compensate for when they have to play them. I think they would finish with eight wins or seven wins. So I'm going to have them uh, in over as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, look, you know, <sighs> Auburn is a tough one I uh, because I like this number to eight and a half, but I think the, the points that uh, Xavier made. I, I just I can't take the over there. Uh, I think I'm taking the over on AM at nine and a half. What uh, I, just, I the, the schedule is more favorable for them. And you know, Jimbo Fisher being there for a while, I think this is kind of the you know, uh, do it or move on uh, kind of spot for him. So uh, I think AM has the talent to win 10 games. So I'm gonna go with the over for them. And at Mississippi State, you know, we can talk about the schedule. We can talk about the talent and all that stuff. There is too much unrest with Mike Leach coming into a new situation, making some horrible statements to start, having guys transfer. And now one of your star players is thinking about potentially setting out the season as well. I can't take the over on Mississippi State. I just can't. I don't have it in my heart to do it. Um, The last two SEC teams here, Nick. And they're still highly rated nationally. I mean, uh, 31 overall for Ole Miss and uh, 57 for Arkansas. Uh, But the numbers here, Ole Miss is five and a half, which is a fairly low number. We got them winning six games, uh, three and a half for Arkansas. uh, But we only have them uh, for four wins and only one in the SEC. So. Um, you know, some lower numbers they look more tantalizing, of course. Uh, let's go ahead and take these. All I got to do, you know, all, all Ole Miss has got to do is win six games, but uh, that reason is there for a number, right, Nick? Uh, that, that number is there for a reason. I'm if I'm not dispensing,
1: <laughs> right? And and like I said before, first year head coach, especially a first time uh, first year head coach, as, as we have at Arkansas, oftentimes. I'm going to lean to underperforming expectations. And and uh, I say that, but my default uh, setting here and, and sort of the way our projections work out is actually a, a slight lean to the over on both of these numbers. We have Ole Miss winning six games. They're favored in six. They have talent edges in six. The projected wins add up to 6.23. So that, that fits. And, and those projected wins actually expect them to win close to Three SEC games. So if they only get to two, uh, then they still have a great opportunity to sweep the non-conference schedule if they can win that coin flip against Baylor to start and get to six wins, get to bowl eligibility. I think there's a lot of reason to expect the offense will be good. They've got Jerry and Ely at running back. That running back position is is actually their highest-rated unit, uh, and it's a top twenty unit. But it, you know, the, there's only one other team in the SEC that's got a lower top-ranked unit than Ole Miss, and, and that's Vanderbilt. So I, I'm really concerned about the line of scrimmage. They finished in the 90s in our performance ratings on both the offensive line and the defensive line. Vanderbilt was the only team that collectively was worse uh, along the line of scrimmage last year, and then and the defensive line is still a, a major area of concern for Ole Miss coming into this year. Their highest-rated player, highest-rated by uh, – you know, eight or nine points actually uh, just entered the transfer portal a couple of weeks ago. So uh, some concerns on defense, their linebacker core is, is really quite good. They've got some talent in the secondary, got a transfer, probably going to make an impact uh, that we talked about a little bit earlier from Navy, uh, but that defensive line and, and the offensive line a little bit as well gives me a lot of reason to, to be concerned. So Ole Miss really has to take care of business when all of the games that it's supposed to win to get to six wins. That makes me a little bit nervous, uh, even though our prediction, my prediction and, and our projections to get them there. So I, I will have to go with the over, but I, I don't really feel great about it. Arkansas, four wins would be doubling the their wins from last year, getting one win in SEC play would be the first time, what, in. in two years, right? So and that's that's going to be tough. But uh, Arkansas actually improved its its roster strength rating or overall talent metric for, for its entire roster uh, by over two points. It actually was the third biggest increase in the entire country. Uh, so that that's big. I mean, the, the most improved roster in the SEC getting uh, Felipe Franks, uh, you know, coming off an injury, of course, and, and he certainly was Far from perfect in Florida, but getting him in, getting a quarterback that comes in with an over 90 rating in our uh, individual VGR plus player ratings, uh, that bumped their quarterback rating almost 14 points uh, over where it finished last year. And of course, things were an absolute mess at the quarterback position, really. you know, across the board in Arkansas last year, but they can solidify that position. Uh, you know, they got Rakeem Boyd back at running back. Sam Pittman, the new head coach, is one of the best offensive lines. Um, you know, offensive line coaches in, in all of college football. So I think that unit is is going to be decent. I'm a little bit concerned that their highest rated player on all three levels, defensive line, linebacker, and, and in the secondary, are all. First-year grad transfers who only have one year of eligibility makes me a little bit nervous about the defense. But Barry Odom actually ranks 15th in our defensive coordinator rating. So uh, there are bits and pieces to like about Arkansas. I think they will show progress. I think having uh, a dependable quarterback, if Frank's can stay healthy, uh, is going to get them an SEC win, and, and hopefully they'll be able to take care of business in you know three non-conference games, probably. Probably not going to beat Notre Dame, but, uh, you know, should be able to get up a, a, a few non-conference wins that maybe they let slip away in years past. Uh, but I, I think Arkansas gets to four, build, you know, a little bit of momentum going into 2021 and hopefully get Arkansas a little bit back closer to respectability year in and year out because, you know, with, with the possible exception of Vanderbilt and even Vanderbilt's been more consistent the last couple of years, Arkansas has has seen itself fall into the bigger hole, biggest hole of, of any, uh, program in the league. So, uh, I have some optimism. Uh, I don't think they're going to you know shock the world or anything, but I think four, four wins is possible, maybe even probable.
0: You know, if Bobby Petrino just could have kept it in his pants, right. What what they could have had at Arkansas, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, look, <laughs> with, with, with Ole Miss the, the point that you made Nick a hundred percent correct. Like, they're losing six games, so they have to win the other six to hit that number. I'm not banking on that at all. I'm going to take the under for sure. So um, with Arkansas, I think I'm going to go over, because I see three wins here at least. Uh, Nevada, Charleston, Southern, and then Louisiana, Monroe, I think they're all wins. And then it's just you know hammering out one other one. Obviously, it's not going to be against a Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Tennessee. But could they beat Mississippi? Sure. Could they go on the road and upset Missouri? Yeah. Could they beat Mississippi State? I think they can win one of those other games. So I'm going to take the over on Arkansas. What do you think about these last two SEC teams out here?
2: I'm taking the overall Ole Miss. I'm all on Lake, on Lane Kiffin, I th- and I love Plumlee at the quarterback position. I think he was getting better as the year progressed last year. I mean, he absolutely torched LSU, although they lost that game. He put up ridiculous numbers. And you know what? It's weird. When you look at Mississippi last year, yeah, they didn't play all that great. They lost a lot of games, but they were in a lot of the games that they lost. You know, they only lost to five to Memphis. They only lost by eight to California. They only lost – Um, by one to Mississippi State at the end of the year. We all know why that happened. They only lost by seven to A&M last year. So this is a team that was in a lot of ballgames last year. I think when you look at their schedule, they have six wins built into the schedule. Do I think they could get seven? That's the only thing I'm really kind of fighting with myself here because you look at the six that they obviously could win, but do you think that could be A&M, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, LSU? No. Um. And so, but but I'm still gonna go with the over because I think they will get six. I am almost a hundred percent guaranteeing that they'll get their six wins, Ooh. even if it comes down to them having to beat Mississippi State at the end of the year. I'm riding with the with Lane Kiffin here. I, I and man, if John Reese Public could even play up to what he did against LSU last year, every for, for for the better half of next year, I got I got Ole Miss with six wins. Arkansas, man, I, I, I'm sorry, this is, this is gonna be rough. I've got them around when I have Vanderbilt. I think one, two wins is what we're looking at here. Okay. Yes, I know Felipe Frank transferred there. Sam Pittman's my guy from Georgia, and he's going to be the head coach there. But it doesn't bode well. Charleston Southern and Louisiana Monroe are the only two games that I look at, and I go, they're going to win that game. That's it. And I and I can't even guarantee you Louisiana Monroe. To be honest with you. Uh, you know they have Nevada. They play Notre Dame. I don't know who scheduled this one, uh, but. Arkansas is not a team. I think they too were in a lot of close ball games last year. Also with A and M, which is a weird reoccurring thing here. But I don't like Arkansas with a first year head coach. And although Felipe Franks is a guy we've seen with talent around him, has been good. Let's see what happens when he goes to Arkansas and he's looking at guys that have not that aren't anywhere near what he played with at that Florida. That's a completely different difference for him. That's a culture shock for him. And I don't look think it's going to go well at all for Arkansas. I got to go under. Uh, so I went under for Vanderbilt and Arkansas. Man, those fan bases are gonna hate me. Uh- <laughs> th- this is gonna
0: be a long show too, because we got a lightning round, uh, <laughs> the, the the fun belt here. But here we go. Uh, starting with Nick App State. Uh, the win p- uh, total is ten. We got them. You know, uh, favored in over nine games. So the ten total looks decent. The tough matchups here. They they are favoring both of them at Wake Forest and at home against lafayette uh i'm gonna take the over 10 uh, Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. uh app state i think that that's an easy one
1: so i'm actually that's probably a surprise because we have them favored to win 11 games uh i'm gonna go under i I think our projected win total of of a little over nine is about right I, i i predicted nine wins with two uh sunbelt losses. We've seen them lose to Georgia Southern in in recent years. They do still play uh, Louisiana Lafayette, the other, you know, fringe top 50 team in the Sun Belt. Uh, So I think that the, the path is uh, pretty tough for, again, a first-time, first-year head coach. Eli Drinkwitz, of course, was in the same situation last year and was able to, to make Appalachia State one of the top uh, G5 teams in the country. They've got talent. They've got, what, five all pro or, or excuse me, all uh, Sunbelt guys on on offense, a quarterback, a couple of receivers, a couple of offensive linemen. They've got one of the best corners in the country, a, a, another all Sunbelt uh, defensive lineman. But uh, you know, again, first-time, first-year head coach, I, I give sort of the, the uh, you know, it, it, you, I, I don't give them the benefit of the doubt, I should yeah. say. So if it's going to be between nine and ten wins, I'm going to
2: side with nine. Xavier? I'm going with the over. The only game I see them losing next year is Wisconsin, to be honest with you. And and that game, for me, is a little bit of a toss-up because this is a team that's gone into the Big Ten and held its own. I mean, they barely lost to Penn State, what was it, two years ago? So this is a team that understands how to play in big games. I, I really like App State on all fronts. We talked, we hit it on their head that one of their cornerbacks might even be an All-American this year. Uh, I, I really like App State. I think they're going to run through the Sun Belt with these. Uh,
0: now the next team here on the list is Georgia Southern uh, with the win total five and a half. We got them around six and six, so the number is good once again. But they do have a lot of kind of uh, toss-up games here. At, uh, versus at home against FAU, they're uh, six-point-plus dogs. Uh, on the road against ULM, they are almost five-point favorites. They are almost three-point favorites at home against Troy and uh, six-point dogs on the road against Georgia State. So this number is, uh, is going to be pretty close here. What do you think about Georgia Southern, Nick?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're like a lot of teams, and they've got some good pieces, but they've also got some pretty major question marks. I think Shai Wirtz, uh, you know, get a get a senior quarterback, and, and hopefully he'll be able to stay healthy. He's got a chance to be one of the best quarterbacks in, in the league. Wesley Kennedy's one of the most explosive offensive skill position players in the league. You know, as a running back, you get him for a full season. You know, I, I really like it. Georgia Southern played good pass defense last year, or excuse me, mm-hmm. they, they played really good run defense last year. Uh, their pass defense was suspect and they lost arguably two of the best corners in the Sun Belt, including uh, one who was drafted uh, last year And Kendall Vildor it was a fifth round pick, I believe with the bears. So uh, that pass defense is going to be a little bit of an issue. They've got one of the best defensive ends in, uh, in the league and in, in Raymond Johnson, the third, but uh, you know, there, there are some holes in some places, uh, particularly on the offensive line, some depth issues, but I, I like Georgia Southern overall uh, to, to get – I think bowl eligibility is is very reasonable, and, and they have had success against Appalachian State in, in past years. Not sure they'll be able to knock them off again, but they're certainly capable of it. I think six wins getting over that five-and-a-half. I uh, feel pretty good about that.
0: Xavier, so Georgia Southern, what do you think?
2: Yeah, as much as I hate them, I think five and a half <laughs> wins is, is is low. I think six wins with Shy Wertz in a full season, th- they should be able to get that. You look at the rest of the Sun Belt, you look at Coastal Carolina, South Alabama, Texas State, These are te- these, those are three guarantees for me. They also play Campbell, once again, scheduling how. Um, they, that should be a win for them. That puts them at four. And they should be able to find a, a way to get two more wins on that schedule. I've got Georgia Southern doing it. And once again, I don't know how they did this, but they get App State at home back-to-back years. I don't know how they did it. That's amazing, if I'm not mistaken. But kudos to whoever got that to happen. Uh, (laughs) How do you get somebody to travel to Statesboro back-to-back years is immaculate to me.
0: All right. Yeah, you're right about that. And shy words, you know, when when it boils down to real, real close, I want that veteran QB. So I'm going to go over on them, too. Uh, The next team here is Troy. Uh, Seven and a half wins is their over. We got them at seven and five. A couple tough matchups for Troy uh, versus NC State early. They are five, almost five point dogs in that one. Uh, Almost six point dogs uh, on the road against Arkansas State. And uh, almost three point dogs on the road against Georgia Southern. So, Nick, what do you think about uh, Troy for this season?
1: I really like Troy. I, I was disappointed actually that this win total was seven and a half because I thought there was a, a, you know, I, we have seven as our predictive, our both our projection and prediction here. Seven wins seems right, and, and I was hoping, you know, because Troy missed a bowl game last year, that this number would be uh, a little bit lower. But you know, Vegas seems to be fairly high on Troy as well. This wide receiver core is the best in the Sun Belt, and it might be. Uh, you know, in the in the conversation for best of the G5. Offensively, if they can get the quarterback position figured out uh, after Caleb Baker uh, ran out of eligibility last year, I think Troy has got an opportunity to put up huge, huge, uh, really offensive numbers as a, as a total. Uh, B.J. Smith coming back healthy, plus D.K. Billingsley at running back. The, the receiver core, Reggie Todd, is, is the big guy, red zone, Uh, target, and and Kalen Geiger is is the, you know, sort of uh, small, speedy, get him in on jet sweeps and across the middle type guy. So I I really, really like Troy's skill position. Uh, If Parker McNeil, who's a two-time Juco All-American, comes in and wins that job, or if Gunnar Watson proves that that he's the best guy and they can hit the ground running, I think Troy has the talent actually to win the league. Uh, According to our talent edges, they actually have a talent edge against all eight conference opponents that they play. So mm-hmm. uh, they miss Louisiana Lafayette, which is probably the biggest part of, of uh, the whole deal is, you know, the, the schedule uh, not getting the best team in, in the other division is, is big. So I like Troy a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if they win eight or nine games. I don't know that they'll get to 10, which is what our talent edges uh, think, but I think at least seven, and I think there's room, especially if
2: they find a quarterback for eight or nine. I, I like Troy a lot. Xavier? Yeah, Troy reminds me a lot of Georgia State last year. I think that they have the talent in the uh, at the skill position. They have the ability to score a lot of points. Can the quarterback, once again, be there, and stay healthy. If that can happen for Troy, I think they have a really good chance that we can see Troy and App State play for the Sun Belt in the last week of the season. Um, that would be a really, really fun event. I think Troy has the has the ability to do it. Uh, I feel like Troy has been a sleeping giant the last couple of years due to injuries, due to lack of quarterback play, things of that nature. I think Troy returns back to the prominence that they once saw You know, when I was in high school. Uh, so I think Troy's one of those teams that People are not going to be looking out for it because they had a bad 2019, but should be looking out for it to really be one of the contenders in the sum of the Year. So I'm going to go over.
0: Now, nah, yeah, I'm I'm going to go over with Troy too. I think all the points you guys are making are right. A lot of uh, all conference talent on that defense too. So yeah, uh, I, I'm with you guys. Now uh, the only other two teams that have uh, decent win totals here uh, or are highly ranked over <laughs> 90, uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, is at 10 we've got them for uh, to go 10 and 2 in arkansas state their total is six we actually have them at seven and five arkansas state seems like it might be uh, the easiest bet here out of all of these sunbelt teams nick
1: yeah, I, I really like Arkansas State. And I, I was pretty skeptical because uh, they've got a, a bit of a quarterback competition going, and, and it seemed like Logan Bonner, the guy who started last year, uh, got hurt, had a thumb injury, and, and missed, I believe, the last eight games, something something along those lines. Uh, I actually didn't like him as much statistically as I like Lane Hatcher, the Alabama transfer who came in and, and uh, was Sunbelt Freshman Player of the Year as a, a redshirt freshman. Uh, but the more I, I dove into it a little bit, um, I really like Arkansas State. I, I do think Bonner. I think they're very close, the quarterbacks, but whoever gets it, they're probably two of the three or, or four at the most uh, best quarterbacks in, in the league. So I think they're going to be fine there. I really like Jay Adams, Jonathan Adams, a wide receiver. They've got a couple of transfers coming in. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think that offense will keep clicking along. They have arguably the the best – Uh, pro prospect of a defensive lineman maybe in the league uh, and Foster Morrell. He's absolutely huge. He's one of the strongest guys in all of college football, but the rest of the defense is very suspect. They lost two of their best players to graduate transfers, and and it's a very inexperienced unit overall. So I think Arkansas State's going to play a lot of shootouts, uh, but I think they've got the firepower uh, to do it. Louisiana Lafayette, Billy Napier has built a very, very talented, very, very uh, highly productive team. They ranked second in offensive line performance last year. They've got a top 20 running back uh, core. They've got a veteran quarterback. Uh, They've got some talent on defense, especially at the linebacker position. We have them favored in 10 games. We have 11 talent edges, including all eight conference games. That includes Appalachian State, who they do play in the regular season. It's going to be tough to get over 10. I think that's a really high win total. If you forced me on it, I might go under because I projected uh, win total is is just over 9. But uh, just because things can get a little wacky in the Sun Belt. You know, I mean, we we saw uh, (laughs) South Alabama beat uh, Arkansas State at the end of the year. Texas State beat Georgia State. So weird things can happen. I would lean to the under, but Louisiana Tech is – a very, very good team. Uh, they have the potential to go 10-2, 11-1. Uh, who knows? If everything clicks, they could beat Missouri and, and uh, really have a special season. So I like Louisiana Lafayette a lot. Uh, I think Arkansas State, that uh, that win projection is is probably my favorite bet of the Sun Belt for an over. But there are two teams that will speed through here at the end who, who actually like the under maybe a little bit better uh, towards the bottom half of the cup.
0: Xavier, your thoughts on those last two?
2: Yeah, I think Arkansas State is going to have to play like they did last year. They played nothing but shootouts last year. Their defense was non-existent for about mm, 10 out of their 12 games. So they got to do it again this year. My only issue with this schedule as opposed to last year is their non-conference schedule scares me a little bit more than last year's did, which is why I think that they'll be over six games, but seven – Seven games is probably where I have them at a halt. Um eight games, nine games is a little bit too far for me, a little bit too rich for my blood. Uh so well, I'll go over. I think seven games is where they could sit, but they're not on conference schedule. Does scare me more than it did last year. When you look at UL Lafayette, I think this is a team like your App State that they're probably gonna mean the Sunbelt Championship again. I think for the third year in a row. Um, and I think that it's gonna come down to whether, who wins the uh, Lafayette App State game to see who, which one may end up undefeated. Uh, you look yeah. at UL Lafayette's non-conference schedule, outside of Missouri, non-existent. Wyoming and McNeese State, nothing to sneeze at. You know, Two things to sneeze at, really. And uh, I think that when you look at the rest – oh, and New Mexico State. But when you look at the rest of the conference, I think they run through that for the most part. They are ridiculously good on the ground. They're such a complete team. And like you said, Billy Napier has really got that going there. And uh, it's going to be scary when they come to Georgia State early, uh, next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, for ULL, I can't – They're going to win 10 games. I mean, that's what it looks like. That's the number. So I'm going to say under just thinking, you know, an injury, something, you know, could could happen. Uh, I just think it's safer to go under it. But I'm taking the over for Arkansas State uh, for sure. I think they easily beat that number. Um, Now, the other ones that we because I have two minutes left before I have to go (laughs) record another pod. So we're going to burn through these Uh, Georgia state win total is five and a half. Nick. Well, what, where are you going?
1: Uh, Probably under, I mean, they have two of the biggest holes to fill uh, quarterback and running back based on guys they lost last year. They're experienced everywhere else, but last year everything kind of clicked and and having to replace those two guys,
2: I I have to lean under
0: Uh, Xavier, obviously, uh, you know, an alumnus here. (laughs) Uh, what, What are your thoughts on Georgia state over or under that number?
2: He's right about the quarterback position, but I still think they're going over. The defense will be much better than they were last year, and we leaned on their offense this this past year. Should they're going to be over Yeah, hopefully.
0: I'm going to go eight, over too. Let, let, let's <laughs> take the over on them.
2: Defense should be better. You're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. Also, Carolina ranked 121 overall, Nick. Uh, four and a half wins is a toll for them. We got them at three and a nine, so it seems like a pretty easy under.
1: That's the biggest gap of any of our projections and and the win total. So that would be our quote-unquote uh, best bet if you're looking at these win totals. It's not Xavier's stone-cold five-star lock Ole Miss uh, <laughs> pick, but, but uh, our numbers don't like Coastal Carolina. Uh, that's just sort of how it is. They play two quarterbacks. That's a little bit of a, you know, iffy. They had a bunch of transfers. So they could contend for bowl eligibility. Absolutely. But the way our numbers shake out, only have them favored in two games, only have talent edges in two. So uh, feel pretty good about under four and a half. Uh,
0: now moving on, uh, or I'm sorry, Xavier, what do you say about Coastal Carolina? Under. <laughs> yeah, under. Yeah. 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 Not not a hard decision, right? No. Uh okay, so now ULM, we got four. Texas State, we got three and a half. And uh we have both those teams favored in uh, or projected to win four games. Uh four, five, six for ULM, three, seven, oh for Texas State. And the last one here is South Alabama, whose win total is four. We got them uh right at three in the projected wins and in the projected uh record at three as well so those last three teams nick you uh ulm texas state alabama
1: south alabama U- ulm's uh similar to georgia state has replaced an excellent all-time quarterback uh offensive line is a bigger issue there they've got to uh, replace a lot of guys from a, a really good offensive line I would lean maybe to the under uh, for ULM, even though our actual projected win total is higher than four. It's, cl- it's over four and a half, but I, you know, I just don't love the situation there. Texas state, I've, I've got high hopes for their offense. Their defense was quite good in, in some cases last year, but they're almost completely starting over at, at linebacker a uh, bit of an issue. That was a, an area of strength for them last year. Four is, is right on. I, I think, you know, Uh, three or four could go either way. Don't have a strong feeling. I'd probably lean to the over. They're bringing in a ton of wide receivers, and hopefully they'll get the quarterback uh, situation handled a little bit better. So hopefully that offense will take a big step forward, lean to the over. South Alabama, uh, I feel pretty good about the under. They're favored in one game, according to our numbers. <laughs> Two talent edges, only three wins projected. Uh, things just something's not quite right there. I, I felt good about the coaching hire when it happened, but the last couple of years have been really bad, and, and the offense was particularly bad last year and lost its top playmaker and running back Trey Mentor. So, feel pretty good about under four. Uh,
0: yeah, Xavier, uh, ULM, Texas State, Alabama, four, three and a half, four.
2: One of these teams has to get over.
0: That's what uh, I'm thinking.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm They're gonna, all going under. I'm, I'm going to go ULM. I think ULM is going to be the only team that goes over. Yes, they lost one heck of a quarterback. But I just think that it's, I'm pulling a straws here. ULM, I think, is going to go over. I'm going to go under Texas State, and South Alabama is going to be another basement dweller. Uh, yeah.
0: I'm going to go <laughs> under, over, under for me. So I'll that's, take the over on Texas State. Ah, uh, just so we get everything in there, but that is it. Uh, sorry to uh, Dash boys, but I do gotta go. Uh, remember, you can follow us all on the Twitter at Bogman Sports for me, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, and at Xavier underscore Trish for Xavier. And that is going to wrap it up. Did you want to say one more thing, Nick? I, I couldn't tell what was happening. I'm sorry. I was. I was just saying. <laughs> oh <sorry. laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll figure. It. You know. You know, John is such a maniac monster <laughs> to deal with. I'm sure he'll be really upset with it. Now, John's the nicest guy in the world, so it's not yeah. that big a deal. But uh, we will we'll streamline this for next week. It will not be another two hour pod That's next week. A hundred percent. So, uh, we see- <laughs> yeah, we will see you guys then. Uh, take it easy, everybody.
1: CFB Winning Edge is a Patreon-supported outlet. The more support we receive, the more value we're able to bring to our listeners, readers, and users. There are several projects on our wish list for the 2020 college football season, including written previews, a weekly newsletter, and expanded podcast schedule. However, we can't grow without your support. Join us at patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge for details.